0: The latest record album price guide is out. This is Pat Prince, Goldmine Editor, and Goldmine has released its newest record album price guide, the 10th edition, and it's celebrating its 20-year anniversary. Tim Neely was the research editor, author for the first one, and Dave Thompson is now, and we'll talk to Dave Thompson about the latest price guide, the 10th edition, which is a good one, and we'll talk about record collecting in general as we are both record geeks. It's a fun episode, and we'll be right back with Dave after this message from CygnusRadio.com. Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine, the Music Collector's Magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. So let's talk about the record album Price Guide, the 10th edition. This is the 20th anniversary, Dave. Dave.
1: I know, isn't that exciting?
0: And do you remember when it first started? You're a goldmine veteran. Do you remember when it first started?
1: I don't remember when the record album itself first started, but I'm thinking back, what, 30 years, almost 30 years. Yeah. um, I contributed an essay to one of the very, very early volumes of just the overall price guide.
0: And how do you think it's evolved over the 20 years? I mean, you got 110,000 albums included now. Well, the first one had 40,000 records, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, we've got a bigger book now, so obviously we can put more in. But I think overall, there's just more interest in the things that people did not seem to care so much about in the past. We've been able to expand genres, discographies. Yes. And values have values have also climbed. You know, unfortunately space again says, Yeah, you know, we have to have a cutoff. Nothing valued below
0: 15. a
1: certain amount.
0: Yeah, fifteen dollars near mint.
1: There are so many records out there which you know are worth more but unless we can actually confirm a price or even the record's
0: existence right a lot of private pressings you they well, might beyond be that right. we
1: spend a lot of time just you know scouring the internet looking for things that we don't have
0: right
1: quadraphonic pressing of the first boston album right. is a good example you go into the boston forums none of them have ever seen or heard of it
0: interesting
1: yeah, that, is it real is cuz if that's real it's probably you know, probably a high three figure
0: value fake news <laughs> 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 that's the
1: alternative and then there are things you know like i can't think of an example but an album that has just felt common forever and it's not in there because we've got it
0: listed at you know under $15 american finally, pie that's what I turns think. Out, there's this mad rush on it and it's yeah.
1: suddenly a $30 album.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's I noticed funny. my Yeah, I hear you and I noticed some of my I was checking some of my collection like the Zombies uh their first mono release and stereo release went up about $10 uh from yeah. the last time uh, the price guide was was out. But I think you did a good job of presenting the guidelines, our guidelines. For instance, uh, explaining to the beginning, because you know you're going to have uh, novice collectors, uh, a- explaining how they should value their uh, near mint, um, not only near mint, but VG+, VG-, uh, VG-, and poor records. Uh, I think you did a great job of doing, uh, doing that and doing it in a design that was very, like, bullet points um, that really emphasized it. Because that's important.
1: It is, and it's also, I and mean, it's one of those minefields that I think even experienced collectors fall for. They look, you know, in the book or online and they see a value mm-hmm. that a record is sold at and they don't necessarily also look at the condition. Near mint is, I mean, it's a lovely...
0: It's got to have condition. a nice gloss, a nice shine. Uh, um,
1: I mean, really... But it really near, should be
0: played, shouldn't it? I mean...
1: Near mint basically means mint. Yeah. We'll
0: see. I was just going to ask you about that. You do mention that. Mint, you know, when it's still in the shrink wrap, you mention <laughs> that near, it's it's like near mint. It doesn't really go up in price, does it?
1: Well, particularly these days, how many times have you bought a new pressing, mm. still shrink-wrapped, got it home, found it's scratched, it's got fingerprints on it, yeah, <laughs> it looks you know, VG Plus at best, or, you know, still shrink-wrapped and the, the seam is splitting, you know, the record is cutting through one of yeah, the Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that's... I remember buying records in the 70s, I can remember an ELP record, where you can bend it from end to end and you can hear uh, the other side it was so thin uh, I don't know how many grams that was a final <laughs> <laughs> <Minus> 180
1: <laughs> I remember buying it was one of the 10cc albums you know rushed to the shop day of release yeah bought a copy still sealed brought it home warped took it back Ex- that's another, another
0: thing warped yeah it could be warped inside um, yeah, so
1: you buy, a, you buy a, a mint sealed record, you're taking the chance of yeah, it being mint.
0: Yeah. yeah a- never- and, well, let's get to this, having a misprint or either the labels misprinted or another band is on the second side. And we've gotten a lot of questions about that. And maybe we should put that to bed once and for all. Um, most of them are not worth anything, correct?
1: <laughs> not worth anything. Somebody wrote in to us once, probably a couple of years ago, they'd got a Black Sabbath album. And when you, t- you know, Side 1 played what it was meant to. Side 2 played a different Black Sabbath album. I think mm. it's Paranoid on Side 1, Master of Reality on Side 2. That is a good one. Because A, you've still got the same band
0: on it. Mm. But
1: B... Sabbath are a very
0: collectible group, and it yeah. was something to the fact where they were probably changing uh, to press that other Sabbath album, and it, yeah, so it, it's it's a it's a little it's a little different. It's a little bit better for the collector that collects. Yeah, I mean, if you're
1: a collector, a Black Sabbath collector, and there are a lot, that yeah. would actually be it's still only a curio, yeah. but it would. Probably have a little more value than say the second Buzzcocks album with Maxine Nightingale pressed on one side.
0: <laughs> but what, what... I... you have? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the worst thing is it the it's shrink wrapped, you think it's near mint, right? You come home, you're ready to play Black Sabbath or Buzzcocks. And then you have Janet Jackson on the second side, or whatever. I mean, that's got to uh, really upset you. And um, I've never had that happen, so I'm, I'm I thought sh- it was
1: quite funny, actually.
0: <laughs> but but it's happened a few days, a few times, a record store day. Um, they've had that problem. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot more common, I think, than people think. Yes. And if the artist themselves. Is super collectible. Beatles,
2: Queen, Springsteen. Yes. Then you've
1: got a curio that might interest somebody. Right. Um, what really has no value at all is you pick
0: up Bing Crosby, a, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or yeah, a no-name
1: country single, and the B-side <laughs> is another no-name country single. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that has no worth at all, unless you can find that one in a million people who really wants it.
0: Now, you also mentioned about uh, the st- when a record is both, when it's stereo and has some mono cuts on it, and then there's yeah. the rechanneled albums. I don't own any of these. Do you own any? Um,
1: I think I've got some of the Beatles, but well, I do have some of the Beatles ones. Yeah. A lot of early '60s albums were rechanneled, right. and yeah, to be honest, at the time they were great. Right. Now we can look back with you know, all the benefits of modern technology and say, "Ooh, that's not so not so hot." Mm. And there was an English DJ in the '70s. He used to delight in playing rechanneled Beatles records, where you had the music coming out of one speaker the vocals coming out of the other and he'd turn down one speaker
0: <laughs> so, you know um, what i take that back i think i have some kinks albums that are rechanneled but um, yes
1: yeah they were yeah. they were another one and you know as i say at the time those were great they were the future you know they were the jetsons with rocket you know rocket yeah. cars right it's only technology, really, that allows us to look back on things and mock them. Sure. And collectors, you know, there is a certain snobbery that people want you know, either the real stereo or the real mono.
0: Hmm.
1: But I like those things.
0: I do too. It's historical and yeah, uh, kind of interesting, actually.
1: Yeah, I mean they are because they show you how people were how people were thinking and how people were listening to music at the time. Right. One of the big disadvantages of us having sort of all the information at our fingertips, all the music ever made available at the click of a mouse, is people lose context.
0: Yes, they do. You can,
1: you know, you can listen back to the hits of 1989 and say, that was a terrible year. Without actually looking at what was going on in the industry and beyond in society itself
0: mm-hmm.
1: that contributed to the hits of 1989 being so bad. Right, right. right Context yeah, yeah. is vitally important, I think, in
0: music. Just you, know, you can, yes, just listen to old records for the fun of it. And why 1969 hits were so much better. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you, you, you know, you play some albums from 1968,
1: and yeah, you, you know, and then you look at what was going on in the Western world in yes. 1968, and it, you know, it was utter chaos. It was riots. There was you know the
0: come down from the Summer of Love, and music, the art was better. Yeah, responded to that
1: yeah. Yeah. in a very very visceral way.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, and go ahead. I'm if you weren't there at the time or haven't sort of read up on it at the time, you know, you were born in 1974 and just sort of downloaded Wheels of Fire from the Internet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're not going to understand why Cream sounded like they did.
0: I agree. I totally agree. Plus, you're not going to even know. You, if, you're, if you're just being turned on to Cream, they might not even mention in the download who's playing what. <laughs> or who recorded who it's produced it? A, yeah.
1: It's that cause and effect of, you know, Jimi Hendrix brings out an album, Eric Clapton says, you know, goodness, I should make a record like that. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else hears Clapton say, wow, I should make a record like that. And you have this stream of very tightly interconnected influences that just feed through an entire strain of albums. And again, You come to it late, you don't pay attention, you miss that.
0: I agree. Now I want to talk about um, promo copies or DJ copies. Collectors should not assume that these copies are worth more value, correct? Um, Sometimes
1: they are, but again, it's very much dependent upon who the artist is. Um, Is there anything radically different about the promo?
0: Right, I think Beatles are, uh, you know, worth more money. Um, you're right. There, sometimes the promo has interesting things on it. Like, for instance, yeah. I bought a Pretenders promo, and Chrissy Hine comments in between each song about the song coming up. So it's it's, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if it's worth more money, but uh, it's damn interesting. But I what I hate about promos is that gold stamp, the <laughs> the cuts you know I I don't mind so much the little puncture on the barcode that doesn't bother me but that gold stamp really God I hated it and I
1: didn't, on LPs I hate it on CDs because it takes up half the cover <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and and you notice that if you get radio copies from DJs it has a lot, a lot of times a a, a white paper
1: Sticker across the
0: front. Exactly. Um, and God, that's awful. But it's interesting, but it's awful because I don't want yeah. my artwork covered. Those sort of things, I mean, they all
1: reduce the value. Yes. Plus, you know, promo copies, you don't know how badly they may have been
0: mistreated when oh, yeah.
1: they went onto the market. But again, I mean, they're nice little slices of history. However,
0: Maybe. I've noticed that some promo copies are really near mint condition because the DJs <laughs> never played them. <laughs> um,
1: the other one that you know you have to watch out for is it goes into the record into the radio station library, and they write the call letters across. The yes.
0: <laughs> Speaking yes, of uh, which, goes back to the 60s where you would take a 45 or an album to a party, you didn't want someone to steal it so you wrote your name on it. And I hate that too.
1: Oh, <laughs> I love that. You do. Um, yeah, I like records where somebody, you know, somebody cared enough for whatever reason to identify it as their own. Yeah. I have a section of an Elvis album which, you know, past owners have written all over, you know, it's like, you know, the I love Elvis stuff. <laughs> um, phone numbers. It's like, these records actually lived with somebody and, you know, they weren't treated as precious icons. They were part of the life, you know, they would be used for writing, you know, you know somebody calls you, let me take down your number, and you scribble it on the Elvis album. That is brilliant.
0: I didn't, never looked at it that way. Okay, okay. It's um, cool. Or
1: when somebody has you, you find an album and they somebody has seriously defaced the artist on the cover, and you think, why did they do that? Was this did this belong to their little sister and she was like a big Donny Osmond fan. <laughs> so yes. they're like, I'm going to get her, and they just scribble, you know, draw glasses and <laughs> alien antenna on Donny.
0: Who wouldn't want to I- draw a nice little mustache on Donny? Yeah. <laughs> oh, give him Enough. long, give him long hair. Oh, <laughs> but yeah,
1: I think. I mean, obviously, uh, you'd never be able to sell them to a collector unless no. You know, but I think just as pieces of social history, because yes. that's what music is, really. Yes. Yeah, you know, we think of all these reasons why we love music, and it's you know, it sticks with us, and yeah, you know, records take you back to different places, times, and places. It's social history.
0: Yeah, whenever I and talk to people outside the hobby, I always have to remind them it's not just about the value. Collectors no. also collect to collect, so yeah, it, it could be. I know someone who collects records because of the hype stickers. They're still on the shrink <laughs> wrap. They love that. So That's I mean, great. yeah. So you never know. And they'll get one just because it may not be in great shape, but it's got that hype sticker.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, there's all sorts of little variations that, you know, people, people pursue. And, you know, you can't quantify value for any of them because, you know, it's the old one man's meat, another man's poison thing. Right. You know, somebody, there might be one person who hates hype stickers and would happily... See them all
0: thrown (laughs) on the bonfire. Well, I got to ask you—you do a good job of explaining why no classical uh, in the book, and you said uh, that it would probably be three times the width. uh, Yeah, yeah.
1: It's one of my big regrets is that we can't do classical.
0: Well, think of all the different composers that have done symphonies, you know, it would go on forever.
1: Yeah, and all the different versions
0: of each symphony. Yes. You know, we could film the book with Beethoven's Fifth alone, probably. But could you have the hip composers, like, or pianists, like <laughs> Glenn Gould? <laughs> oh, God. Um, but you do, that- you know... People also have said, you know, we don't put in uh, 12 inches, 12 inches or um, hip hop um, enough. Um, Which is true. Yeah, that is true. I mean, mean, 12 inches
1: are interesting. That's actually something I collect.
0: Yeah, I know you do.
1: I'm very, very fussy about what I get.
0: And isn't some of the early hip hop the um, talk about value, like the Sugar um, Hill label? Isn't that worth money? Um, some of them are. Yeah.
1: And if you can go back a little further and, you know, just on sort of private pressings and yeah, even cassettes.
0: Right.
1: I, those, you
0: know. We did a we did an article on uh, the value of hip hop records, and a lot of them are. Uh, pretty valuable and and rare especially the 45s and 12 inches and uh, we got people saying why did you do hip hop well it is a music collectors magazine <laughs> i realize the demographic doesn't like that but we do have to cover it once in a while and uh, you know show the value i uh, mean demographics
1: is yeah, it's a point that I don't think gets raised enough. It's like you can go through so many genres and say, why don't you cover hip-hop? Why don't you cover country? Right. Why don't you cover classical, etc." And it always comes down to how many people care.
0: Well, you know, Dave, you, did, you started a classical blog called Classical Gas, and it's got yeah. a lot of good feedback. Um, people really liked it. It's got good traffic. So obviously... Um, there is, you know, a readership. Um, well, I know, I know, classical, jazz, hip hop. They like, you know, even metal. They like to keep in their sort of uh, bubbles. You know what I mean? Um, especially uh, I mean, jazz and classical. But but,
1: you know, would they buy a price guide?
0: Exactly. I don't know. They probably wouldn't because we're we do all kinds of music. They want some something from like. A jazz magazine.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, we did a British Invasion price guide back in the.
0: That's a little different because we are kind of a British Invasion based <laughs> demographic.
1: It is, and I don't, and we've never done a second edition. Huh. Yeah, and you know, to bring up another point that a lot of people ask: Why don't you cover you know European, you know, or UK albums? Why don't you right. cover
0: Canadian? I was just well, going to ask that.
1: The British Invasion Price Guide. Um, I I did it with Tim Neely. Tim concentrated on American rele- and Canadian releases. I concentrated on British releases. Yeah. They were all in there. Yep. Nobody cared.
0: Yeah, I know. Except for maybe Tim. <laughs> no. Tim so was again, a Tim was a record collecting savant, and he was the author of that first price guide. Um, yeah, I know.
1: Um, but, you know, so many of the questions that we do get asked is, you know, why don't you do this? And it's like, we've tried and it, it didn't take off.
0: Exactly.
1: Or, you know, it's not worth trying because it won't take off.
0: Well, recently uh, we did the 45 guide and that did do, that, that. I loved it and I heard a lot of great feedback about it.
1: Yes, yeah, so, so did I because that was general. Yeah. It was, you know, all 45s from yeah it was in
0: nineteen fifty one yeah
1: yeah it was um I mean that was an amazing it was a, I love doing that book yeah that might be my favorite in some ways
0: now now lastly, in your opinion, do you think that say these recent reissues we I've talked to you many times about the all the Bowie stuff coming out and box sets and reissues Do you think that has devalued first pressings, or does it depend?
1: I I don't think it devalues. If a first pressing is so rare that the only version you can get is a a, a 2018 Record Store Day repress, you'll get it, but if that first one comes along at a price
0: you can afford, you'll still buy it. Yes. I'd rather Um, have the first pressing. Oh, yes. But,
1: you know, I have records. I mean, this Record Store Day, for instance, um, there was the Gong live album. Yes. Um, Years ago, I had the original French 1989 pressing. It went at some point. Um, I was glad to get it on vinyl again.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point.
1: Uh, If I find the French one, you know, I'll be grabbing it.
0: Don't you think at some point, though, there needs to be a Record Store Day price guide?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that definitely
0: does, and not the overvalued eBay stuff where the next day the people you know Um, make it four times the amount. When when things when things sober get sober and you can average out the prices and research, you could see how much did these. You know, it's a limited edition. It's about collecting. Was it a good investment? Did did this record store day album go go up in value?
1: Um, What would be really funny, actually, but it would be slightly cruel, would be to do one where you give you know highest value on the first day it appeared on eBay and your average selling price now. Yes, I mean I've been watching the Bob Dylan "Blood on the Tracks" that came out this year. Yeah, and you know I saw a few three-figure. Valuations or asking prices for it on the day before I'd even left the house to go to record store day. I hasten to add. Wow. Um, and now it's down. To, it's sort of averaging the ninety one hundred mark.
0: Right. You know, it's I-
1: already plunged. But I think over. It's hard to say. Some record store items have maintained. Record store day items have maintained their value. Others, yeah, are still sitting begging people to buy them with big sad puppy
0: eyes yeah you know I bought uh, the, there was one record store day where um, Joe strummer um, you know his early stuff was on vinyl and yes. I, I I couldn't find it and I looked on eBay and it was an astronomical price but then the next record store day I found it in the bins of stuff that didn't sell. <laughs> And I got it for like half price of what it originally was. So you just never know.
1: No, I mean my record store day was sad because I got to the shop 90 minutes after they opened, and everything I wanted had gone.
0: Yeah, that's a bummer. Uh,
1: I came home. I you know, did some saved searches on eBay. As okay, when the price goes down, um, the following weekend wandered back into the shop, and they'd restocked almost everything. Huh. Uh, I mean, they didn't have Dylan and Floyd, of course, but <laughs> everything else on my list, they had restocked because it doesn't all sell on record store days.
0: Have these picture discs from now? Now, picture discs and color vinyl are very popular now. But have yeah. the, have the ones that were, remember the ones that were put out in the eighties? Have they increased <laughs> in value? Um, Some no. maybe.
1: I'm sure that I mean you know, the the Def Leppard hysteria that we it did, uh,
0: yes, yeah, you're
1: right. in the last issue, that has maintained value. The Beatles ones, I think, have the Bo- Some of the Bowie have, right? But there was that, as with everything which seems a good saleable gimmick, like coloured vinyl. Record companies just lost the plot, and when you think, you know. I, bands you've never heard of artists you've never heard of were having a picture disc for their first single and people were like, I don't care that much
0: in the 80s I certainly didn't care at all I thought you know I kind of like eh who cares but now i now i don't know why I care <laughs> 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 <Elder>. <laughs> I remember the
1: first i think I learned my lesson very early on with both picture discs. And coloured vinyl, that the sound quality was never what you wanted it to be. No. So, it's a squeeze single came out on limited edition purple vinyl or lilac vinyl. Yes. And I asked the record company rep, "When will you have? You know, when will the black ones start appearing in the shops? Because you yeah, know this is obviously a limited edition. So I want a black one." And he looked at me like I was crazy, and I could never <laughs> see a black one.
0: Black vinyl? Come on, it's so dull. Anyone can get black vinyl.
1: Don't you want the rare collectible limited edition one? No, because I actually want to play it.
0: Don't you want the swirly uh, stuff?
1: (laughs) It never came out on black vinyl.
0: Oh, God.
1: (laughs) Or if it did, it was considerably later. Yeah, so the limited edition was how many they can sell before it drops out of the charts.
0: Well, that's why I never listened to it back in the 80s, because the sound quality wasn't as good. Um, and, and let's see in 10 years what these, uh, see if this colored vinyl and uh, picture disc stuff is actually uh,
2: worth the money.
1: to a few uh, people who do actually put out colored vinyl
2: records. Yes. Uh, they insist the pressing
0: quality has improved since the good old days. Yeah, I've heard that too, but... Um.
1: The, but, you know, I've also heard people say, you know, about record stores, their things." well, it sounds pretty good for colored vinyl.
0: Yes, yes, exactly.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Some people just buy it and tuck it away.
1: I mean value wise I think you know if you're lucky it will go up because novelty value, maybe it really was a limited edition. Yes. Um, but again, yeah, if you're buying records because you actually want to play them <laughs> <laughs> I play a picture disc a few times. They're not,
0: then, they're not like one of those plates or tchotchkes you put in the cabinet on display.
1: <laughs> I had a friend back in the day Elvis who, plates. I had a friend back in the day who used to uh, take all of his singles out of picture sleeves and put them in plastic sleeves on his wall.
0: Interesting.
1: It looked great.
0: I'm sure it did.
1: Uh, So I'm sure there were people who did that with picture
0: discs. Yeah, yeah. The picture sleeves are great in 45s. I love them. In fact, I won't buy a 45 now without a picture sleeve. I can't stand the generic. Yeah.
1: What a snob. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All no, right.
1: Dave. <laughs> I, I like picture sleeves, but I'm not—I'm not as crazy about them as I used to be.
0: I, I don't know um, what it is. I just—I um, think they're fun, you know. Seeing... I
1: like old company bags, actually.
0: Yeah. Huh.
1: Like. I mean, just think of you know sort of the great labels of the '60s and '70s, and think of you know their own company
0: bag. I like that. It, I like I like the picture, the sleeves, the inner sleeves of albums that have all yeah. the promos for uh, future releases or current yeah. releases. Yeah. But what I hated always was the plastic um, baggy that was like you can never get the. It always got filled with some kind of pocket of air, and you you can never get the record in there. Uh, those went right in the garbage, and I would put them up generic white sleeve made of paper instead. But have those
1: you how, have you noticed how expensive those white sleeves are nowadays?
0: Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I do. I do. Why do you think when you buy, why do you think when you see some records in the dollar bin that don't even have a sleeve? Yeah. <laughs> Inner sleeve.
1: Side of the so-called vinyl revival is yeah. a lot of the accessories that we used to be able to just pick up for nothing. Right. Now um, seem to be sort of fairly high ticket. It's strange.
0: You also notice sometimes when you buy um, a used record, it will have the promo sleeve of another record company. <laughs> yes.
1: Although that's always been the case,
0: hasn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Think back to you know, sort of your youth when you buy a, a record on EMI and it's got an Atlantic uh,
0: yes. in a back. Yes. Because <laughs> um, then you can have the fun of swapping them around and you know, trying to find the right records to put them in. Well, we could talk for hours, as you know we should probably yeah. have our own podcast but this it should. <laughs> this ends the 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 uh episode on the Record Island Price Guide 10th edition and um you know if you go to com, you can pick up a copy and it would be probably be a percentage off uh, if you go to the book uh bookstore instead of uh you know uh in a, a um brick and mortar bookstore but uh th- thanks dave it was great
1: Yes, it was. Um, we, we should do it again. Let's do it.
0: Let's get another price guide out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, have a good weekend. You too, man. Thank you, Dave, and thank you, listeners. You could buy Goldmine's record album Price Guide, the 10th edition, at com or at a bookstore near you. Or go to GoldmineMag.com and sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. E- It often often has special announcements about sales and you could probably get the price guide with a percentage off its list price. Now that's a good deal. Also go to goldminemag.com for a subscription deal to Goldmine Magazine, which you can also buy monthly at Barnes & Noble or Books A Million across the country. Thank you for now. Until next time, this is Pat Prince sending off. Bye now.